Welcome to Songs and Stories, the not-for-musicians-only music podcast. Hey there, everybody. Welcome once again to Songs and Stories. I'm Michael Gaither, and this is the Songs and Stories podcast, episode number 160. Finally getting a chance to talk to a local favorite we've been trying to wrangle and schedule for a long, long time. Scott Cooper is the guest this, I almost said this week, it's not weekly anymore, this time on the podcast. Scott and I have been crossing paths for many years, even back before I was doing music, and it's kind of funny. I've I've been I've been you know playing and writing and doing this music thing pretty hard for it's going on maybe fifteen years, and everything I think everything's gonna blur after a while. It seems like I've been doing this for a long time, and it seems like I just started, especially with someone like Scott, who we kind of have a kind of a cool history sort of before music. Um, Scott Cooper is a staple in the local guitar scene. He's play he plays in many Grateful Dead cover bands. He's also a great songwriter. He just released his third album called Batik in Blue. And I was kind of tracing back. And before I was doing music, I was writing for the Santa Cruz Sentinel newspaper. I did video and TV and and, um, film reviews. And I remember that Scott wrote for the paper, too. And kind of coincidentally, we, we we knew we knew each other, but we didn't really actually work together at the paper. And um, he played one of our last shows my wife and I hosted in Coralitas with his band, The Barrel Makers, um, early, early this year. And I was going through just stuff in my desk, and I found this article. I'll put a photo of it in the podcast notes for this. And it was an article, it was a, a front page section out of the Sentinels Entertainment section from more than a couple of years back. And I had interviewed Buddy and Julie Miller. On the same page, Scott had interviewed the late, great Dan Hicks. And the editor, our good pal Wallace Bain, interviewed Emilio Harris. So this is all in one piece of a newspaper. And I'm like, wow, we, we do go back a ways. So I was showing it off at the show. Um, we'll talk about that during this during this interview, kind of where Scott started. He's always played music, but kind of the path he's taken first as a drummer, and then as a guitar player and a songwriter and what he's doing now. And uh, he's doing great stuff. You're really going to enjoy it. Normally, this is where I drop in some of my gig updates, but I'm kind of laying low midsummer as I make some recording plans, so we'll just dive right into Scott. You can find him, and I'm going to give this out a couple of times because it's a little deceiving. <laughs> There's another guy named Scott Cooper who's probably a fine, fine songwriter, but I prefer our Scott Cooper. Um, Scott Cooper is at volumemedia.com. If you go to Scott Cooper Music, you'll find some guy from Canada who's probably a nice fellow, but he's not our Scott. So Scott Cooper is at volumemedia.com. During this this podcast, if you're listening in front of a computer or a device, you can find notes about this at michaelgather.com. It's M-I-C-H-A-E-L-G-A-I-T-H-E-R.com. Look for Songs and Stories 160 under blogs or podcasts. And I'll put links to, to Scott's um, information, his CDs. Also, we got off on a really nice Warren Zevon tangent. So I'll, I'll drop in the interview I did with Gerf Morlix a couple of years ago when he talked about working with Warren Zevon. Um, so Scott and I are going to talk about our time at the Sentinel, his time at Colors Radio for you locals. That's how far back he goes. Um, and then how music kind of took over and, and what he's doing now. Um, and also, we're, 
both huge Warren Zevon fans, so stick around because at the very end, uh, he'll do a song that he wrote called Warren Zevon, and we'll talk about where some of those lyrics came from. So with that in mind, let's go ahead and dive right into some music. This is off Scott's latest record, his third release called Batik and Blue. Uh, let's hear, um, you locals appreciate this, let's hear the ghosts of Lahonda and you never give me the blues, and then we'll do the kitchen table chat thing with Scott Cooper. Here we go.
You never give me the blues. You never give me the blues. Never give me no lip and no attitude. You're always so honest, always telling the truth. That's why I'm
So thanks for nagging me like I asked you to like, right, every week. Man, how about it. next week? Check with how about next week? It, it yeah. works. <laughs> I know it works. That's how I get gigs too. <laughs> I know. Right. I always tell people, let me know how much I can nag you without without me being a pain in the butt. Right. And that's that seems to work. And they it's a, it's a good one. Yeah. That's that that's a great segue. That's actually how I got my job at the Sentinel, the Santa Cruz Sentinel. Um, you nagged Tom. I nagged Tom. Tom Long. I was writing. Um, just film reviews and sending them out over email and email was kind of a new thing and I mm -hmm. sent some to him and um, and then he I called him one day and he, and he goes he goes these are actually pretty good he goes but to be honest I get like 10 people a week asking me to do film reviews and I go and I just like what about video he said you know no one's ever asked that before he goes okay pitch something to me and that's how I started doing the, right, the video cool. column Right. And then I did, I think I did video, and then I did television, because he was doing television, kind of got tired of it. Uh -huh. And um, that's where you and I met. Yeah. 1992. Probably. I was there 91 to through 93, I think. Or was it 93 through 96? Yeah, I was there. I think it was, it was 92. Okay. Around yeah. That. Yeah. I got it because I I was working at KSCO Radio. Long story. Really? Oh, uh, it was Colors. Remember Colors? The New Age Station. That's right. Ninety nine point one. I'm like, wow. Yeah. I was a DJ there, and then the earth. And I was on uh, October seventeenth. I was on the air, and the earthquake hit, mm -hmm. and immediately we became news talk, right? Cause, right. Because it was the. And all of us were driving home. A lot of us were driving home from San Jose, or trying to drive home from trying, San Jose. Yeah, I probably sure. heard you on the radio that night. I came by one hundred and one. Well, I was behind the scenes. I wasn't. Oh, okay. Yeah. Um, but uh, colors. Wow. That's so that it became news talk, and then um, next thing I know, I'm like. Running the board for Rush Limbaugh, I'm like, this is not what I signed up for. <laughs> yeah. So I applied for, I applied, I called, applied, I called, email, I think at that point, called. Yeah. Only option. Email I, was still kind of, I thought, yeah. go ahead, I'll finish. I called every, I called Michael Horn, I called Gary Ty at the Catalyst, Tom Miller, I called Sandage, I called everyone who worked in the music industry, I called the Good Times, I called the radio stations, mm -hmm. I called everyone, and Tom said, Tom Long was the only one who said, yeah, I need a music writer, so... Perfect. That's that's how I got the gig. You never know unless you ask. Exactly. You know, oh, what was my yeah? Speaking back, um, giving our giving, I think our age away. Um, you can do the math at home. But when I was first writing video articles, or I think it was TV for Tom Long at the Santa Cruz Sentinel, I would write the write my draft. And then I would put it on a three and a half inch floppy disk yeah. and drive it to his house across town because he was in town. Uh -huh. Email, there wasn't even a website for the Sentinel back then. It was like really, oh, really yeah. early. Yeah. Yeah. I remember that. <laughs> I call him, I left a disk in your mailbox. Okay, thanks. I'll take a look at it. And I'd see the thing on Friday. You know, I kind of remember that. I kind of remember you dropping the disk by. But there was another guy, a jazz writer from Marin, who would uh -huh. do the same. Wow. He'd mail in a little floppy disk. <laughs> Yeah. Uh, Antiquated. Now it's on my phone. Zing, yeah, right. You know. There it is. Publish it. Don't even edit it anymore. Yeah, sometimes, <laughs> depending on whatever. Yeah, but you know, Tom took off. Wallace Bain took over, and it was really because I was a stringer, and it was nice because Wallace just kept me around, kept me around. Right, that's great. Yeah. It's amazing that Wallace has lasted. Yeah. What you think? And he really is one of my favorite writers, and he's he stuck it out. He stuck. Yeah. It. And I, I've talked to him. I know it's it's been tough. I think. When they when they closed the Santa Cruz Sentinel office down, and I and I went and visited Wallace at the, the former Borland offices, and it was mm -hmm. just like a just like a relic of an old '80s corporate. It was kind of sad. I know. I agree. It was sad. I agree. Yeah. 
the writing's still there, but just like the, the support that paper had, maybe not as much. Did you know Dan Fitch was the sports editor? I think he was like a city editor for a while, then he was the sports editor. We met, but I didn't really know him. He was the best writer the Sentinel had, and now he's like a, a butcher at New Leaf. Wow. Just sad, because he was an exceptional writer. Wow. He was just, he was just, had the Midas touch, you know. Uh, so was writing kind of your forte? Was it always music? And you just it's always like, music. You just kind of stumbled into writing because you knew music. Exactly. Nice. Exactly. Yeah. Music's, music's Were you a music. photographer too or just a music writer? Just a music writer. Okay. Although I did... Because I know we met at some point, maybe just in the newsroom or something. Yeah. Um, I did a little bit of sports and mm-hmm. I did the calendar for the... For oh, the, okay. Remember the... Yeah. The met the spotlight. That's what I wrote for was the spotlight. Yeah, right. there's, a, there's boxes of them up in the attic. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, man. If you if you could find one that has a, has a story on Bill Lehman, he's, he's begging me to find it. I, I wrote a thing on Bill once. Do you know what year it was, roughly? 93 to 96. Okay. <laughs> well, at some point, I have to kind of like, you know, get rid of the excess and binder, binder up my yeah. stuff. So, yeah. But it, it was fun when you played for us at one of our last Crow Leader shows. Was it February? Somewhere around there. Yeah. And I was just, I just, I happened to be cleaning off my desk and I found. I know. It was an article, but you interviewed Dan Hicks. Uh-huh. I interviewed Buddy and Julie Miller. And I think Wallace had something about Emmy Lou. Uh-huh. Like all on the same page. Right, I'm cool. like, this is so cool. What a great, right. you know. Right. That was too cool. That wouldn't happen in Albuquerque here. No. Always a year. No, 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 no. <laughs> and the fact that I was hosting a show and you were playing and, you know, we're still yeah. fans of Wallace Bay, right. which is really cool. So I, I'm assuming music was always there in the background. It was something you did and. Just kind of it was always that? in the foreground. Okay, good. Yeah, I mean, I started playing drums when I was thirteen. Okay, and uh, um, but I was into I was in I collected records when I was like you know in elementary school. Mm-hmm. I was really into it. Yeah, and um, uh, then I played drums as a you know in the, I started playing at Callahan's Pub. They had an open mm. blues jam. I went down there and they say, hey, we need a drummer for the house band. So right. I became the house band drummer. Then, um, picking everything up. Yeah. Then the... Just check once in a while. This woman who used to hang out at the bar, her husband was the manager of an old blues guy from Mississippi named Johnny Shines. Mm-hmm. And she said, Shines is doing a West Coast tour. He needs a band. Why don't you guys back him up? Great. So I go. did a tour with Johnny Shines and then started playing, you know, was in the, involved in the blues world and then the jam band world and eventually... Started playing bass and then eventually started playing guitar. Well, I mean, I played guitar, mm-hmm. but started working as a guitar player. Yeah, and yeah. So now I don't play drums anymore. Although I'd like to do a gig once in a while. Huh. But it, I'm happy not to be a drummer. <laughs> it's less to haul around. Well, yeah, a lot to haul around. And you know, you know, the last thing the drummer said before they kicked him out of the band? Hmm. Let's do one of my tunes. Ah, uh, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> A, I've never heard that one. That's good. That's no, good. It's true, though, isn't it? Yeah. You're the drummer. You're the drummer. <laughs> right. Wow. So, you know, I mean, you know, I was I was always the most prolific, if you will, songwriter of all the bands that I was in. So mm-hmm. I'm like, this is silly. Why am I the drummer holding my... I was like the George Harrison. Yeah. You know? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> it's like, Ringo, I have a song. I have a song. <laughs> I have a song. Right. Sit back there and play. Be right. quiet. You don't get a mic. <laughs> we'll throw you a bone. We'll throw you. Don't pass me by. Right. Right. <laughs> That's funny. Anyway. So jam bands kind of came along, and then is that when you kind of started doing your own tunes? Or was it... Started doing my own tunes. Um, 
Well, I mean, when I first started playing in college, playing mm-hmm. guitar, um, started writing. Yeah. And uh, actually, I'm going to go visit in this summer. A friend of mine lives in Mexico, in Oaxaca. And he and I played in college and we'd, mm-hmm. we'd write songs together back in college with no aspirations whatsoever. Sure. Just, I got a song, let's jam. Right. And, uh, you know, I've consistently written about three or four songs every year mm-hmm. since for the last 30 years. So you have a nice catalog built up. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I'm, not, I'm not one of these guys who can sit down and, you know, crank out a song every day. Yeah. Uh, some people can. It's just, it's not how I approach it. You know, it's, I've gone through both phases. I have a friend back, and he moved from here back to Nashville, and he's co-writing. So he's writing, like, songs every week, but he's writing to a very specific style. I think I'm more... And when I first started writing, it was, like, one song a month, and then I... Now I, I really probably get three to five keepers a year, and for a while, yeah. it was sort of like, ah, that doesn't seem like a lot, but if you've done it for a while... Yeah, exactly. It's actually not bad. <laughs> and then there's the whole thing about keepers. Well, right. what, I, what I think is... Uh, what you might think is a keeper might be a throwaway to someone else, and what you might think is a throwaway, other people might love. Right, right. I've had some songs that were throwaways, and I, as a, on a lark, as a joke, pulled them out at one point, and my friends, my bandmates loved it. It became right. like a staple of our set. Uh-huh. Like, really? That was just a throwaway. Right. <laughs> and I got songs that I wrote just kind of for me, thought this is way too specific, and then they yeah. become like really popular. Yeah, right. At least when I play, people really like them as far right. as how exactly. to find popular stuff. Yeah. You never know. But yeah. I think if you've written for a while, you kind of have a, not a, calling it a bar is kind of trite, but just you know when something's good. And you know, I think when I first started, at least for me when I first started writing, I thought I had to finish everything. Uh-huh. And now I'm more like, this this was kind of a clever idea, but it's not worth writing a whole song about. Uh-huh. Maybe I'll get a lyric out of it or something. So you know what to spend time on. You know, we just saw this movie Popstar. Mm-hmm. It's out in the thing right now. And, uh, it's a it's a farce of pop mm. being a pop star, right? Mm-hmm. And the funny thing is about it, they realize they go through their their ups and they come back down, and, and on their way down they realize, hey, you know, we got to get back to doing what made us money. And what made us money was this one verse that had random a blue pencil, a bird flies in the sky, green tangerines. That was the lyrics. Right. Just random nonsense. Mm-hmm. And they realized that was their money ticket. Wow. The, the stupidest thing that they could come up with. Right. <laughs> <laughs> Sometimes you want to pay the bills. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, but yeah, I mean, uh, um, Terry Shields, when you, when you mentioned unfinished songs, yeah. Terry Shields, my bass player that Yeah, you know? Terry's really good. Yeah. He, uh, he works with um, Alan Parsons. I don't know if you know, you know really? Alan Parsons, right? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, so they do... He does, like, he works... I'm not surprised. Terry's good. Not as a musician, though. Okay. Just as, like, an engineer. Oh, I see. And oh, okay. back business guy and yeah, that yeah. kind of stuff. Um, but he told me that Alan Parsons told him that the guy from Supertramp still is going back to old Supertramp records and tweaking them because they were never finished. Wow. <laughs> you know, it's like the Van Gogh of... Right, right. But, uh... You know, painting. That's interesting. Yeah, it is, isn't it? Yeah. yeah. Well, I, and I think it's I think it's it's kind of fun to go back and kind of redo things sometimes. You know, my my first record, I had a few songs that, you know, that people I like I still like the songs, but I I just didn't really care for. I was my first my first record, and you know mm-hmm. it was I thought I just had a little too much, and then when I started really 
going from band to kind of, you know, I, I get to a point where it's like, I should, I should, I'm a songwriter, I should be able to pull this stuff off solo. So I sort of finger picking more and, and figuring out how to play these bigger songs kind of solo. So I went back and I, I did a Christmas record and I threw on three live songs and went back to, took three old songs and just did them as solo acoustic. Mm -hmm. And they, I think they worked better. One, one got picked up by K-Pig. Right, cool. So you never know. But it's, <laughs> it's kind of fun to go back to your old stuff and kind of redo it, revisit it. Yeah, and, well, there's songs of mine that I, well, there's stuff on this record that I wish I'd never re-released. Yeah. You know? Um, and there's uh, there's one tune on this record, on, this, on a leg trick. A leg trick. That sat unfinished for years and years. Mm -hmm. and eventually, I came up with a couple lines that, that flushed it out. But sometimes songs do that, right? They, yeah. They're 80% done for five years, and then five years later, you come up with that other 20%. I've done that. In fact, um, it's kind of it's kind of the same thing. I always when it, before I was writing before I was writing songs, and someone would talk about how a song took you know five years to write. I thought that's kind of that's kind of verbose. How do you what do you, how do you spend five years on a song? And then once I started doing, it, I realized, oh, what that means is you work on it. Then you kind of go, oh, and you put it away. Right. Then you come back to it and you put it away. Right. Then you come back to it and then the one that, the one of mine that I think is the Starlight Driving song because I wrote it sort uh -huh. of a a band kind of strummy song and I'm like it doesn't work and then I put it away and I I had a bridge and I listed movies it had way just way too much stuff in it right. and then finally I, I one day I thought it's it's a story let me just finger pick it and play a harmonica over right. it and that's that's how it worked right. but it took it probably took five years to kind of like figure that out some songs like that right and others yeah. others just come out complete right 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 yeah for sure I was I was I was um, I had surgery back in March I had a I'm fine now, but I had time on my hands. So I sat around and a friend of mine said, I need you to be okay because you have little angels everywhere. And I'm like, that's a really... And I sat down yeah, and I wrote the that. song in like three hours. Uh -huh, I just, perfect. bam. I mean, that right. doesn't happen very often, but I was off work. I had some space in my head and I had time to do it. Right. Okay, cool. Yeah. And then I saw that uh, documentary uh, on Kansas, the band Kansas. I haven't seen that yet. It's great, actually. Great yeah. documentary. Um and uh, you know they have that song. Remember that song, "Miracles Out of Nowhere." Uh huh. He. It's all about his songwriting process because he was saying, "Look, I come up with these these hooks one after another. I don't know where I'm coming up with this stuff. They're just miracles out of nowhere." Right. Wow. <laughs> I gotta watch it. I'm working on the um, the Tom Petty documentary, "Running Down a Dream." Netflix has it. Yeah, I saw it on there. I haven't seen it yet. It's though. a four hour movie. It's a Ouch. it's a big commitment. I'm watching it in chunks. I mean, it's I love Tom Petty, and it goes back to Mud Crutch. And their whole history, but it's a big commitment. So yeah, well, <laughs> I look for the Kansas yeah. one too. So um, you've done Jack was it Jack of All Trades was your first record that's still on your website. Uh, well, this one's Lake Trick was my first CD. Okay. You know, publicly released. CD. Okay. Okay. Then Jack of All Trades was the second one. Oh, okay. And then Batik uh, and Blue is the Batique third one. And Blue and Batik and Blue, K-Pig locally picked up a, three or four songs. Yeah, they picked up three songs. That's they, that's they picked that's up two really from good. this one. And then they picked up two from Jack of All Trades. So now I thought, okay, if they're only going to play, play three songs, they, I'm sure they didn't even bother listen to the other to all eleven songs because right. the three songs that they picked up are the three songs that my so-called publicist um, pitched them and oh, okay. suggested. So then I start thinking, next time I make a CD, why bother with ten songs? I'm going to make a three-song EP. Yeah. Give it to K Pig. I got a higher percentage that they'll play all the songs. <laughs> That's true. That's true. <laughs> 
that's kind of why I did after the I did my Starlight record, which was four years ago, and then two years ago I just I had a couple of just off the wall. I had a song about Black Friday, and I had a song about the Krampus. And I thought it's the Krampus. It's this Christmas demon that comes out on Christmas Eve and <laughs> punishes the bad little kids. It's a European myth. All right. Um, so it's basically it's Halloween at Christmas. And people people dress up and do pub crawls. It's, it's really silly, but it looks like fun. So I wrote a, a couple, and I like, I'm not going to do perfect a perfect topic for a song. It is, you know, and I, I I find these bizarre things to write songs about. It's kind of my thing now. But I thought I'm not going to do a whole Christmas record, do 10, 12 songs, and then have like a month to sell it, and then I've, you know, you got boxes. So I thought I'm going to do an EP. So I did. Those two songs, I did a, a cover of Goat's Hall on the Mountain, which got me to record banjo for the first time. Yeah, cool. I worked with Keith. Mm -hmm. And then I had the three live tracks. And I'm like, that's six songs. It's mm -hmm. good enough. And I did that. Yeah. So yeah, it, cool. it, was, it was cool. And Keith had picked up one of the... Keith actually picked up one of the live songs that cost me nothing to record. Right. It was just like that's it was funny. off the soundboard. You never know. You right. never, you know. never know. That's for sure. Um, but um, I'm, I'm planning a new full CD, but I'm trying to do it maybe half solo. Just kind of keep it sparse and yeah. easy. Sure. But um, but but good good on but so you actually worked for the publicist on Batik and Blue, yeah, I hired a friend of mine, mm -hmm. kind of friend of mine. Um, she's looking for work, and I said, hey, I need someone to do it. I'll show you how to do it. I just think it needs an objective third party to to talk to the to the press and radio rather mm -hmm. than me calling up. I called K Pig one time. After this CD came out. Electric, yeah. Yeah, and I called the DJ and I said, hey, I'm just calling to plug my CD. And he's like, Scott Cooper, you have to do it yourself. Why doesn't your publicist do this? They like thought that I was, you know, someone. Right. <laughs> <laughs> I, it's, you know what's funny? It's just you never know. It's the perception people have. And it's, it's flattering. It's flattering. Right. I played a um, memorial service a couple of weeks ago and it was... You know, it was a it was a someone who passed away who was my age. Just and it, no one I knew, but somebody knew who I was, and she found me on Facebook. Because I don't even know why I'm asking, but would you want to do something at my sister's memorial service? And she goes, she goes, I know you're on K Pig and you're 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 kind of famous, you know. And I right. and I wrote back and I'm just like, you know, right. and it was flattering. I was like, I I'd, I'd be honored to sing at your sister's memorial. What can I do? You know, right. I pitched her a song and. Yeah, nice. You know, so it's it's nice. It's it's, it's a nice bit of credit. It gives you a nice bit of credibility. Yeah, it does. Sure. Yeah. Um. So you're. I'm gonna probably talk more. So this publicist, she just so she did both radio and some press promotion for you. Yes, mostly radio. Yeah. I mean, what, what I and we're gonna do another. We're gonna do round two here. Um, Good. Uh, this came out last. Was it fall? Yeah. Yeah. yeah November. Um. What I this one reached number five on the Relics magazine charts, electric, yeah. the jam band charts. Mm -hmm. So I figured I'll do the same thing for this one. And what I did, I just looked at Relics's radio charts, and at the bottom it shows all those stations who report, mm -hmm. it gives the DJ's name and email address. Nice. I'm like, here's the list. Just hit hit up these people, mm -hmm. get their address, send them a copy, follow up. Bang. That's all you got to do. Yeah. Nice. Um, and she wasn't very good at it, but she's learning. Good. Good. <laughs> Yeah, I'm kind of debating. I did some for the last record, the last full record, but I'm debating whether to just sit down and contact stations and blogs myself, or find someone who's not going to cost me five grand. Yeah, well, you can. I I can uh, recommend this gal. You know, yeah. Pyra. She's cheap. Okay. Um, and she's easy to work with as a person. She's great. I like that. She's um she's learned she's never done it before doing it for me, so I had to tell her what to do, and, mm -hmm. and I'm going to use her again. I still, still have to, 
you know, help her out a little sure. bit. But. Nice. Let's talk about you, though. So, the, right. so the, I'm, I'm, I got sidetracked by, oh, you're okay. you got a publicist. Who is she? Um, so how does, how did um, Batik and Blue kind of differ from a leg trip? Is it the same band? Was it different? Uh, good question. Well, what I do is, like I said, I write a few songs every year. Uh-huh. And always what I've done is just going in the studio when I got three or four songs ready to go. Mm-hmm. Just lay them down. Just so I have them. They're out of my head. Yeah. You yeah. know, they're concrete. Right? They're right. real. That's a really good idea. I do um, that at home. Yeah, right. Um, and this one, Electric, came about because, for a number of reasons, but um, I had a collection of those recordings that were good enough to mm-hmm. let the public hear. Yeah. And I had an audience through my other band, the China Cats. So right. I figured, okay, China Cats is a Grateful Dead tribute band. They mm-hmm. can't sell a CD of us playing Grateful Dead songs, no one would buy that. Sure. So I figured, oh, you know, captive audience, I'll sell them a CD of my stuff. So I did that. Then I had more songs built up. And if you're familiar with um, Bob Weir's solo record, mm-hmm. uh, Bob, um, his nickname was Ace. Mm-hmm. And his first solo record was um, his songs, the Grateful Dead backing him up. It's kind of <laughs> Grateful Dead record under his name, right? Sure. So my idea was I'll get the China Cats to back me up on my songs because oh, okay. I play the Bob Weir parts in the China Cats. Right. And instead of calling it Ace, since it will be my second CD, I'll call it Deuce. <laughs> nice. So that's what this started out as. Uh-huh. Uh, Batik and Blue started out as Deuce, but I squeezed in the acoustic CD in the middle there. and So that was essentially my third CD, and I didn't get the China Cats to back me up on all the songs, so... Um, we changed the title. Um, it's mostly about half of it is the Barrel Makers, my right. current band, right. backing me up. And then there's a couple tunes where I just one tune where I played all the instruments. Mm-hmm. Um, and then there's a couple tunes with with uh, Bill Layman and Lewin. Lewin's on a few tracks. Yeah, in fact, when I when, I, when you first gave me this. Um, I think it's the Santa Cruz guitar party. He said, "Here, here's the CD." Because we, oh, yeah. we kept trying to like hook up, right, okay. and I put it on. The first thing Sonny says is, "Is that Jim playing with Scott?" Yeah. It just, it's, I don't know if it's the tone or what. It just, it sounded like Jim Lewin. Yeah. On the very first, and it's nice because like all our friends are playing on this record. Yeah, right. Mm. Jim's, Jim's on there a lot. Mm. Jim's on this one a little bit. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and he's on the second one, very little, but yeah. one, I think a one too. Nice. It's a good. It's a really fun record. It's a really good record. Cool. Thanks. For yeah, feedback. I get. I, I get a lot. Like all of us have music musical pals. We get a lot of CDs, and you go, "Thanks." Okay. This one I put on, and I kept putting it on. It was okay. It was seriously. It's a. It's a really cool record. Good. I'm proud of it. You know, yeah. there's. I gotta say, the cringe factor is low. Good. Right, and you know how that is when oh, you make yeah. like you hear stuff, you cringe, and everyone else is like, "I didn't hear anything wrong." Yeah. But um. There's one tune on there. That I thought would be the case. <laughs> the, the cringe factor is a great way of putting it too. Yeah, right. You know yeah. exactly what I mean. Yeah. Um, uh, the song "You Never Give Me the Blues." Mm-hmm. I thought that would be the Kate Big hit. Right. In fact, I thought about leading with it. Mm-hmm. Um, but I'm not real happy with the with the recording of it. Mm. And so now I'm thinking maybe going back in, redoing the vocals, mm-hmm. and putting it out on my next EP. Yeah. But it's one of those tunes that. Um, it's perfect for K-Pig. They should be playing it. But they can't get past that number three. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. They're already playing three tunes. Right, right. 
So yeah, that happens too. Yeah. And you, you never know what like with mine they picked up the drive-in song Starlight, which I was, right, I was I really I was really grateful for. It was just but I was so happy with it. It was and then I had a I had I had a bunch of funny songs like Now It's a Taqueria and I thought yeah, right. this is a shoe you never know what you know right. and they exactly. and they picked the the song called Good Souls, which is like this sad this kind of like mournful song about people who leave us which I, I wrote because we lost two friends within two weeks. And I'm really glad they picked it up. And I was kind of like, wow. And then Ralph, Ralph the, 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 the base of the program director, said, you just made, you just said it so well. And I'm like, wow. I was just really surprised that you had listened to that song, let alone, right. you know. And even now people, will, somebody wrote me last week said, I just heard your new song on K-Pick. So it's been four years and people are kind of just <laughs> discovering it, which is really nice to think right. I have new material out of it. Right, you know? right. Yeah, so it's like I said, you never know what's... What people will like and what yeah, will hit and what will miss. No, the cringe factor is a good way of putting it. So you could you can list the most and kind of go, okay, that's right, yeah, that's exactly. all right. right. But there's songs that of mine and yours, I'm sure that, like you said, that are more so appropriate for K-Pig and they won't play them and they'll, they'll play other stuff yeah. that you kind of like, huh, that doesn't make any sense. But I'm happy to get the, the airplay. Yeah, exactly. I'm grateful for it too. Yeah. yeah. There's a. Did you ever meet Chuck McCabe? Do you know who he was? No. He was a songwriter in Los Gatos and. Um, just kind of connecting with a lot of people on that side of the hill and just a, an amazing son he passed away six years ago and um, kind of mentored everybody too he was just a real class act and funny guy great songwriter amazing guitar player and we were, I was going through these emails of his one time and he said he said if there's not at least a couple of things on a CD that makes you visibly visibly wince when you hear it because you haven't been working hard enough on it <laughs> you know, you, you've got to be like, you know, but then you've got to kind of let it go too. Like, right. All right, it's fine. Right. You know, then you go back and redo it later. You know, you know. Uh, are you familiar with Ted Hawkins? No, I don't think yeah, so. No, a lot of people don't know him. He's one of my absolute favorite songwriters, singer-songwriters mm -hmm. guy. Um, passed away in the early '90s, but um, he's got the most poignant song. He's some of the most poignant songs I've ever heard from anyone. I mean, like, whoa, he's whoa, that's heavy. And, you know, it's, he's got a song about orphaned kids, about him being an orphan kid and saying, you know, like, I'd call the doctor, but I don't have a telephone. What can I do, Mom? You're dying. Dad's mm -hmm. gone. And, you know, really point is yeah, the perfect yeah. word. But, um, yeah, I don't really... Do I have anything that makes you wince like that? I don't know. But, I, you know, I got a tune... On my second CD, the acoustic one, which mm -hmm. is Jack of All Trades, mm -hmm. that it's an old tune of mine called Stuck in the Mud, mm -hmm. and it's perfect for K-Pig. It's funny, it's kind of catchy, um, has the Stuck in the Mud theme, K-Pig theme. Yeah. It's perfect for K-Pig. Of course, they didn't play that one. Right. Right. They played the instrumental. Like, who'd have thunk that? But it's nice, because it's stuff you, you wouldn't have thought about. That's for sure. I think, was it like Lee told me once at K-Pig? Because if we get one more song about pigs, <laughs> and that yeah, could be why. That's probably why, yeah. yeah. We don't need any more songs about pigs or mud. I can just hear her saying it. You know? Yeah. God bless her. Yeah. Let's go off on a tangent. Speaking of great songwriters, let me close. There's a plane going overhead. We'll just let it pass because the birds sound nice outside. Let's go off on a tangent about great songwriters, and we'll come back and talk about Fatigue of Living. Okay, cool. So could you pick a favorite Warren Zevon song? Today? Yeah, sure. <laughs> today, sure. <laughs> uh, Mutineer is my favorite of the day. Nice, nice. Um, although, I've, I've been playing it, and I give it, I 
like you did with, was it Life Will Kill You? Or oh, it? I did on Don't Let Us Get Sick. Yeah, Don't Let Us Get Sick. Which yeah. um, I made into a waltz. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So I play it differently than Warren plays it almost as a dirge. Yeah. A mutineer. It's so right. slow. And it's like no groove. And I give it a little bit more of a Dylan-esque. Because mm-hmm. Dylan covered it. What? Dylan covered it. I heard that. Wasn't that on the tribute CD? It may Maybe. have been. Yeah. I've just seen I've it heard on it YouTube. Though. Yeah. Um, yeah, so I give it a little bit more sprite than, than Warren did, which is easy to do. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> I, I don't like, it's funny, I don't like every Warren's Elon song. There's no. a lot that I really don't like. Yeah. Um, but there's some that I just absolutely adore. And there's some I go, there, and there's some like I'll, I'll pass, and there's some I'll just go, God, this is, he was like the greatest songwriter. I think the reason I picked um, Don't Let Us Get Sick, and I always say this when I introduce the song, is that he could be, he could be like sentimental or sarcastic in the same song, and sometimes you didn't know which way he was going. Yeah, that's very true. Yeah, it was, true. You know, and the reason this comes up for the, for the podcast listeners is when you were playing in Corlitas, that was one of our last shows, in February, you played a song called Warren Zevon. Right. And you were, there was this detail about the, the gray t-shirts, and, and I just finished the Warren Zevon book, and I'm, I'm listening, I go, <laughs> you wouldn't know that unless you read I mean it was a great song anyway but if you right. read the book you'd really understand that yeah because I had just finished reading the book when I wrote it yeah because yeah. I actually I wrote I sent a message to Crystal on Facebook just oh. said just want to let you know I really enjoyed your, your book and and I was trying to and I said I, I'm trying to like make heads or tails out of it and glean some relevance to my life as a, as a person and as a musician mm-hmm. and uh, really what I got out of it was Warren's life was like a, war- a character from a Warren Zevon song. Yeah, I was, I, I, yeah, exactly. So I figured someone should write a song about Warren, a Warren Zevon song about Warren. So that's how I ended up with that song. Nice, <laughs> nice. Yeah, and the book is um, I'll Sleep When I'm Dead. Yeah. And his, his widow actually, it, it's it's kind of an odd book because when I picked it up, and if you, I'm, for people at home, um, it's all done through interviews. Yeah, I, I love the format of it. When I first opened it up, I'm like, this is, it's basically, it's the, the entire book is quotes from interviews. And I thought, this isn't going to work, but it's chronological and it tells the story. Right. It's really, it's, it's an amazing editing piece. Yeah. I, you think I, about it Exactly. That exactly. Yeah. No, I really like that format. I love the book and I like yeah. the format. Yeah. I'm reading the T-Bone Walker book right now and it pales by comparison. Mm. Because that one is just—it's easy to read. It's, you could read those two little paragraphs by Jackson Brown. Oh, okay, Milo, you need something. Put the book down and come back. And yeah, at exactly. any point in time. Yeah. But it, but it flowed so well. It, it did. I, I kept it did. my kept me interested. Yeah. If you're looking at bios, I'd recommend the new Tom Petty book by Warren Zane too. Yeah. It's really really good. Yeah. yeah. Um. So and you and you've covered a you covered accidentally like a martyr on a leg trip. Yeah. And. We were, and we've been, we've been like, I, I thought, we should do a warrant show. Yeah, <laughs> I think yeah. we will. I'd, I'd love to with some, you got the band, we both have the songs. I think your, your piano player plays some warrant too? Yeah. We did uh, Keep Me In Your Heart last night at a gig. Nice. First time ever, never rehearsed it or anything. Wow. And it was great. Yeah. It worked, really worked out well. Nice. Um, yeah, he, uh, he, he, I don't think he's ever pulled out any other Warren scenes because... If if the whole band doesn't know, or if two thirds of the band doesn't know it, it's yeah. hard to pull out that stuff. Yeah, with the whole band, you're a little more. You've got to kind of have it ready. Yeah, although we did keep in your heart because four fifths of the band knew it. Mm-hmm. Just a slide pair didn't know it, and we just called out the changes to them. And yeah, that's pretty simple. Yeah. yeah. Nice. 
my latest is um, I'm going to record this on the. I'm do, I, by accident, I found the riff for Lawyers, Guns, and Money on the banjo. So I'm playing oh, cool. a hammer. So it's, <laughs> it's weird, but it, people seem to dig it. So I thought that should go on the next record. Right. Yeah. Cool. Cool. We, uh, I did accidentally like a martyr on this because I'd always. I, don't, I heard that. I always liked that song. It was always like my favorite Warren yeah. Zevon song. Um, it's got one of the greatest rhymes ever. If, if, which one? Wait, this is. No, I'm thinking of. And if, is it this. If California slides into the ocean like the mystics. That's the other yeah. one I'm thinking of. Yeah, it's the other one, but I know that too. Like the mystics say it will. Um, I don't remember what tune that is, but. I'm rattling the song in my head. Go ahead, I'll think of it later. Okay. Um, I did that because I always thought Jerry Garcia band would it's a perfect song for Jerry for the Jerry band yeah. to do. Um, and so I recorded it at, in my mind how I would hear the Jerry band doing it. Mm -hmm. Kind of why I wanted it done. Yeah. And there's a Harrison tune, All Things Must Pass, that I hear the same thing. Jerry band would have nailed this tune. Someone needs to record it as Jerry would have. Mm. And mm -hmm. one of these days maybe I'll do that. But um so we recorded it, and uh, then I heard, then they released a Garcia outtakes thing, and sure wow. enough, really his so recording of, of him doing it. Yeah. But his re his recording is basically a demo, of him playing piano chords and singing, mm -hmm. and that's it. Not the full band version. There's no band. You still have in your head. Yeah. There's no guitar. And yeah. There's no drums. Maybe there's simple like a drum machine or something. So maybe the next record that's a good that's, that's maybe. a good Zevon cover. Maybe, yeah. Desperados Under the Eaves. That's the song I'm thinking of. Oh, yeah. Okay. Right. Yeah. But this is also... Accidentally, I'm looking at also over here. Um, so, you, um, let's, this is probably going to air. Air. Go up, stream, okay. download, all that stuff. Like mid-July. So, where are you, you get some Los Gatos dates coming up, I think. Well, I get dates. This summer, I'm You're actually busy. packed. Yeah. I'm like five or six nights a week for the next five weeks, six weeks. Nice. It's good. Yeah, all over. I got... A six-day run down in San Luis Obispo County, mm -hmm. where I play. I play down there about three, three, four times a year. Yeah, and so I got a little, you know, places I play and fans and whatnot, friends. Um, some gigs in Los Gatos, uh, Half Moon Bay, Monterey. Um, China Cats have some gigs. We're doing a gig with Donna Gotcha, the old singer from the mm -hmm. Dead. Wow, doing nice. a gig with her in July. Uh, barrel makers have gigs. I got solo gigs in Davenport, and there's at least one China Cats show at Don Quixote's. There's one on the 24th of this month. Okay. Then there's July 23rd with Donna Gacho mm -hmm. at Club Fox in Redwood City, and then we're playing September 17th at Don Quixote's, and probably a couple more. Nice, yeah. busy, busy. Yeah, it's good. Yeah, I was gonna say. Um, I was, so your your website is Volume Music. Volume Media. Volume Media. Don't. I mean, there's a there's a Scott Cooper music. Uh, I'm sure he's a nice guy. He's probably you know very talented. But I like the Scott Cooper a lot better. Just unbiased. <laughs> VolumeMedia.com. So yeah, that Scott Cooper is from Ontario, mm -hmm. and his music's good. It's different than mine, but it's mm -hmm. good. Um, but we're like iTunes and. Pandora all has us all has oh. all cross referenced and and I've brought up the point: Am I getting his royalties or is he getting mine or yeah. what's going on there? And they just make sure that it's clear. Right. And they're like, Yeah, you're fine. Like, okay. Yeah. All you can do is ask. Yeah. Yeah. But, uh, you want to play something? 
Sure. Okay. Where's my guitar? Do it right here. Hey, um, can I ask? Can, can he look through this book? Sure. The Magic Eye Three. Yeah. Those yeah. Trippy psychedelic things. We don't. Okay. I always say I don't edit unless I say something stupid or, you know. Or unless you want me to. No. I stand by what I said. <laughs> It's good to chat finally. Yeah. These things take time to put together. It's amazing just to, to meet for 45 minutes, how many emails and phone calls yeah. and whatever it takes. So, uh, as for Al Frisbee, um, yeah. you know, he's, I'll give you his, his contact info yeah. if you want. Uh, but yeah, he's told me he wants to do it. Be fine. You know, it's, I was going to say we were talking before the podcast. We, for the people at home, I usually start visiting before the recorders run, and I say, stop, let's save it for the podcast, because too many times you've had great conversations, and then the recorders run. Um, Scott was saying that Al Frisbee would like to do the, the podcast, and I, we've met, don't know each other, he's an amazingly talented guy. And the reason I started this podcast is when I was still writing for The Sentinel, I did, I think I did film, and then, or I did video, and then TV, and then I, I actually got to do movie reviews for a while, and I was really excited. And then I realized I was going to see the movies nobody else wanted to. It was like Waterboy, and I still know what, you know, all the, you know. But then I started doing music reviews, and that's when I I started doing, I interviewed like Karen Kane and Buddy and Julie Miller and Paul Thorne, and it was really fun. And then The Sentinel finally trailed off. I started the website, started writing, kind of dove into music really in a big way. And then I thought, well, I, I don't want my site to be all about me, what if I could bring something from I did from the Sentinel and the podcast was like that was kind of a new thing. All right, cool. That's where this came from. Right, That's cool. sort of that. Cool. So what uh, would you like to play? I'll play the Warren Zevon song since we were All right, talking about let's it. Let's do that. Um let's hear that. It might be a little loud. Maybe I'll, I I'll watch back. the level. Okay. This will be the stripped down version naturally without all the parts, but we're ready to go. Alright.
Calvin Klein's in the color gray to match his gray Corvette. And if you want to know about the great t-shirt thing, read the book, I'll Sleep When I'm Dead. Yeah, and then I saw, I uh, watched an interview on YouTube with Crystal, his oh, the author, his... I'll have to look at his, that. Yeah, his widow. Widow, yeah. Ex-widow or whatever. Right, yeah. Oh, right. Um, and she said that, pointed out, remember he, before the whole, before he got signed, he was Lime, and he was in a duo with a with a woman. Yeah. And he, Lime and something. Right. And she's pointed out that the gray thing was just... A period thing. Before that, it was green, and that's he only wore green when he was calling himself Lime. <laughs> Funny. It was a, it's a, this is completely unrelated, but for some reason, and I don't know why, but I've ended up with over the years. I think because they were on sale, like nine or ten just gray Hanes T-shirts in my. <laughs> so they're, they're like they're like pajama tops and workout shirts. And when I read, read the book, I'm like, that's just kind of a weird coincidence. Yeah, right. <laughs> yeah. Are they so, the lucky ones? The luck? I don't think so, but you can't get those anymore, right? That was yeah. the thing. So the, in the book, he's talking about when, whenever he'd travel around, he would go to a mall and buy this certain brand of gray t-shirt. He was like obs kind of obsessed about it. Right. Um, in fact, a couple of years ago, I interviewed Griff Morlicks and he sat there and he he toured with, with the Zivon for like one tour. Uh -huh. And he, I go, what's he like to tour with? And I'll, put the, I'll link this into this podcast because cool. people can listen to it. And he said he was he was said he was a perfect gentleman. Now he goes, but he had this thing where he had the bus continually pull over to fast food restaurants and get like ten hamburgers like every day and have to consume these ten. He was obsessive. He was a genius, yeah. but he was a little quirky. Right? Yeah, sure. Yeah. Well, good to talk to you finally. Likewise, and I'm sure we'll cross thanks paths for again. And, me. Yeah, thanks for coming over. We'll talk soon and uh, check out volumemedia.com. Perfect. Sounds good. Talk soon. That was really fun. Once again, Scott Cooper. Latest release is Batik and Blue, and his website is volumemedia.com. Glad we finally got a chance to hang out and talk about our mutual fanship of Warren Zevon and, and talk shop a little bit. I forgot he went all the way back to KLRS before it was KSCO and the Santa Cruz Sentinel and um, a lot of local connections there and a lot of friends and fans in common. So, Scott, again, if you're still with me, uh, thanks again for coming by the house. And, uh, if you're listening, check him out. Scott Cooper and the Barrel Makers is his primary band where he does his own songs, and it's really good stuff. So uh, whether you heard this, on, as always, on iTunes or Stitcher or my website, michaelgaither.com, or um, Twitter or listening live uh, on the webs at KC Cafe Radio or Grateful Dread Radio Nashville, we really appreciate it, so please support these artists listening to these, listen to the other stations and uh, help us spread the word about this great independent music. 
Um, coming up next on Songs of Stories, I'm going to do a rebroadcast a radio interview I did recently. I was on KZSC Radio to pr- promote the show I did with Michelle Chapel at Don Quixote's in Felton back in June. And on KZSC, I ended up doing, I think, four songs, and a couple of them were new. And they're going to go on the next record, so I'll, I'll do, uh, you'll, you'll hear a couple of songs you might know and a couple you probably haven't heard from me before. So that'll be up in a couple of weeks on Songs of Stories, basically a radio broadcast re-interview with me. And then we'll drop into some other new interviews soon after that. So once again, I'm Michael Gaither. This is Songs of Stories. Thanks for listening. Thanks for downloading, streaming, and uh, supporting this music. We'll talk next time. Take care. <laughs>